0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Today we are going to be starting a new series and we're going to be doing something just a little bit different. The series that we're going to be starting is called Faith Effects. Faith affects, and of course it is going to be out of that great passage from Hebrews chapter 11, the Great Hall of Faith. And I'm really excited to go and to look into this chapter so that we can see how faith affects our life. And I'm excited too as to what's going forward, but... We're also going to be adding a scripture reading with this because I don't want to just read Hebrews chapter 11 over and over and over again uh, on the, the podcast, although I I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with reading Hebrews chapter 11 over and over and over again. Um, it, this is going to be a little bit of a longer series, and we're going to be in the same chapter. It's going to be much longer than the Psalm 23 series on contentment, uh, and it's going to be roughly about as long, about a month-long Uh, just like the Proverbs chapter, but of course in Proverbs we're going from one chapter to the next chapter. So we're going to be doing a scripture reading, and the scripture reading that we're going to be going through and starting with here is going to be through James, and so we're going to read James chapter 1 this morning, and of course James goes right along with this idea of faith, and you'll see faith as a theme through the book of James, but We are going to be getting into Hebrews chapter 11, but let's start off with our scripture reading today with James chapter 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, let the rich in his humiliation, because as the flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce righteousness; the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was." But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world." Well, today, we're going to be looking at this idea of faith and how faith affects—that's what this series is going to be about—but we first need to understand what faith is, and so that means we need to define faith. And Scripture, of course, gives a definition of faith. It doesn't just talk about faith all throughout Scripture— and then doesn't define it. God actually defines what faith is. And this is what he says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And this is important. This is something that we're going to be coming back to time and time again over the next several days, actually over the next few weeks. And it says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to read it again because it's really important. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So let's define faith. In Scripture, we have many examples of faith, and we often think of David and Goliath. We think of Abraham following God and not knowing where he was going, or Abraham going and, and sacrificing Isaac on the altar or being willing to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. We often think of Noah building the ark, not knowing uh, even what rain was at that point in time. There are many examples, but there is only one definition of faith. See, faith here, it, it comes from a word that means to win over. The definition is firm persuasion, conviction, belief, or faith. It's the the Greek word pistis here. And the substance of things hoped for is the descriptor of it. But I want you to first note it is a winning faith. It's a faith that persuades people. It's a faith that convicts and brings conviction. It is not just this idea of a willy-nilly belief, but it is the idea of a firm persuasion. It's a winning over faith, and of course, faith that first wins you over, and then it goes out from you, and it wins others over also, and we're going to see that in Hebrews chapter 11 as it gives example after example after example of people who walked and lived their lives by faith, and we can see that through their examples, we are won over, and it ought to be that by your example, you win others over, and so we see this power of faith But it goes in, it puts some some more meat on the bones here. It says that there is, it is the substance of things hoped for. Now, this word substance, it's used in the Greek New Testament there only five times. And it comes from two Greek words. One means to place or to set, and the other means under. And it's a setting under. It's a setting under, and it's a legal term. It's the idea of being under the foundation. What is legally under the foundation of a house or, or or something like that or a piece of property? What, what is legally under that? Well, it's the title or the deed legally. That's the foundation of of it when you get the title or the deed we understand that it's just a, a a piece of paper but it's not a worthless piece of paper it's a piece of paper that has a promissory note on it it's a promissory note it's a note that says you're the owner of this property whether that's a car or whether that's a a you know property or a house or whatever it might be it, that's what a, a title or a deed is and that's the first definition that uh, that's given here of faith it is the substance it's the the title or the deed of things hoped for now things hoped for it means hope with an expected desire it's not this idea of a hope as in a wishing upon a star or or something like that but it is a sure hope now, there was a point in time when I went out to go and buy a, a new car. In fact, it was a Ford sports track. Uh, and, and shout out to all those who believe just like me. If it's not Ford, it's not of the Lord. Let me know in the comment section if you agree with that or disagree with that. If it's not Ford, it's not of the Lord. I know some people are going and saying, now, wait a minute, here are the apostles. They, were, they obviously were people who drove Hondas because they were all in one accord. I don't know how you fit 12 people in one accord. But nonetheless, you're not here to hear my wonderful jokes you're here to, to hear the word of God. So let's, let's continue on here. Uh, what well, with the sport track, I went and I bought this Ford sport track. And when I went to go buy it, w- what happened was we made the agreement. I, I put the money, uh, down for, to, to pay for the car and I signed all the paperwork. And of course they handed me, uh, the title of the, the car. But when I looked outside, oh, it was gone. It wasn't there. Now, they had taken it, I don't remember if it was, to fill it up with gas or to go and to run it through the car wash really quick, you know, just to make sure everything was just right, whatever it was. But I didn't panic. I didn't go and throw the paper down on the ground and and start screaming and yelling at the used car salesman and going and saying, you stole my car. You cheated me out of this. You horrible person. I didn't do that because I wasn't worried. I didn't think that it was stolen. Why? Because I'd signed the paperwork. I had the title in my hand. I knew I was the owner of this car because it was a promissory note, even though I couldn't see it right then and there, even though I couldn't be in it right then and there. I knew I was the owner of that note because it was given to me and it was a sure thing. And I was very expectant and hopeful that I would drive that car home. And I did. That's what faith is. It's a title or a deed to the promises of God, that we get the promises of God in our life and we hold on to them knowing that God doesn't write rubber checks. They never bounce. We own that thing, even if we can't see it, that promise right here and right now. We have ownership of it because it is an expected hope. It is something that is under even the foundation of a building. It is the title or the deed. It's a true promissory note. Now it also goes and it says this though, it's the evidence of things not seen. Now this word evidence, interestingly, in the New Testament, this Greek word is only used two times and it means conviction, proof, the manifestation of truth or the action that follows belief. It is the evidence of things not seen. This is a continuation of the substance of things hoped for, but it takes it a step further. In fact, Spurgeon describes it this way in his sermon titled Faith, and he says that there are three parts to faith, and the third part being that we, lay, uh, that we laid hold of truth. It is the action of actually trusting in what we know and have believed. Simply put, this idea of the evidence of things not seen, it's that real faith has real actions. In James chapter 2, verse 20, something that we're going to read tomorrow, it says this, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Even the Bible's definition of faith. We find that conviction is demanded of. It's not just an intellectual assent but it is a moral change. Real faith has real actions. You haven't believed something in the way that the Bible defines faith. You haven't placed your faith in something until there are actions that go along with it. Isn't that great to think about? It's not just an intellectual endeavor of Christianity, but it is something that changes and affects your whole life. And that's what we're going to be looking at in this series, is how faith— Affects our entire life. We're going to go and look at example after example after example of people who had faith, and that faith impacted their whole life. They believed God. They grasped that title or that deed. They looked to the promises of God. They laid hold of that title or that deed. They applied it to their life, and it changed their life dramatically. Why? Because they had a real biblical faith not just an intellectual knowledge, not just a a understanding of something, but it was a moral change that happened in their life when they truly believed God. Their faith had real actions. They didn't have a dead faith. They had a living faith. And I hope that this series really engages you to go and to have actions in your faith, that it goes and it activates your faith in your life so that you put feet to your doctrinal statements. So many times Christians today just get caught up in, I believe this, and I believe that, and I believe this, and I believe that, and that's the good Christians, right? There's a lot of people who go to church and they don't have any idea what they believe. They're just there on an emotional roller coaster. Uh, hoping that they that they might get something fun out of the service, but what I'm hoping is that you'll go and not be somebody who who doesn't know what they believe, but it's somebody who does know what they believe, and then with that knowledge of what you believe that it impacts your inner being, and you lay hold of the title of the promises of God, or the deed of the promises of God, and you have real actions, you have evidences in your life. Real faith has real evidences or real faith has real actions. And let's just talk just a little bit about the actions of faith, that evidences of things not seen. See, real faith always produces real evidences. Oswald Chambers puts it this way, our Lord's word believe does not refer to an intellectual act, but a moral act with him to believe means to commit Commit yourself to me, he says, and it takes a man all he is worth to believe in Jesus Christ. Close quote. That is real faith. It is the changing of your inner being. Once again, James puts it this way. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? This is real faith when you put real actions to your faith, when you're really changed. So we're gonna look at, like I said, example after example in this series. And so I want you to understand what faith is, because this is what we wanna build in this series. With a shout of grace, for by grace are you saved through faith, right? Grace is grasped through faith. It's the, the the activator to that grace in your life. There's nobody that's that's received the grace of God that has not had faith in their life, and, and so what? And, and that's of course when it comes to saving faith. But that same thing comes to sanctifying faith, and that continuing to build your faith and to build you as a Christian, you need to lay hold of faith in order to continue to activate grace in your life. And so that means we need to see the promises of God, know the promises of God, and then we need to, of course, believe the promises of God, but lay hold of them as a title or a deed in our life. Even if we don't see them right now, even though they might not be in our hands, we're going to act as though that we are the owners of them, move forward as we're the owners of them, and we're going to have real evidences in our life that we truly believe what God says, and that's the examples that we're going to see all throughout Hebrews chapter 11. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. And I hope today through listening to this, that you've had your faith challenged a little bit. But most importantly, I hope that you understand what biblical faith is, at least from a definitional standpoint. What does it mean when God says faith? It's a winning over faith, one that wins you over, one that's going to win others over, It's a faith that is a title or a deed. We may not have the physical thing right here, right now in our hands, but we do have that title or that deed, that promissory note. And so we know it is ours, the promises that God gives us. And then, of course, it produces real evidences, real actions in our life. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember, Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. we hold to the promise, there's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting will then.